You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'm Brian. I'm Desiree. And this is Enemy of My Enemy. Well, we got a spicy one for you today. You may have noticed we have an extra voice in there. Desiree, Desiree Lindsay, Lindsay. Holy crap. I got a guess and I can't say her name. Desiree Lindsay <laughs> is running for Texas State Senate as a libertarian. Um, and she's going to join us yes. uh, partly because Oops. she's awesome and other partly because she is uh, from Texas. So she actually has some insight into what we're talking about today. Uh, it is about time for us to talk about this uh, Texas state abortion ban. It is Senate Bill 8 or SB 8 uh, for shorthand. We're talking about the abortion law here. I'm just going to go over a few of the highlights before everybody gets a chance to kind of um, – give their thoughts on it here. So just real quickly, um, this is uh, an abortion ban. People are talking about the six-week marker a lot. Um, the six weeks is actually not detailed in the right. bill itself. What it is is a, a heartbeat, and that starts as early as six weeks, and so that's why you kind of hear that number floating around. Um, there is a heartbeat detectable, an individual heartbeat that does uh, form before the, um, the heart is fully formed on the child. Um, or embryo or fetus. See, there you go. I'm already revealing my point of view. No, <laughs> on this one. Uh, but on, on the, you know, there is there is a heartbeat that does develop before the heart um, is finished developing, but it is it is present. Uh, that does happen as early as six weeks. It would be two weeks uh, up two weeks after you missed your first period potentially, uh, making it kind of hard to know if you're pregnant by that time, which is something the critics picked up on. Um, there is an exception in the case of medical emergencies. Um, it does, if uh, the doctors have to go through a process and get a certi certificate to say, this is a medical emergency, so I had to do this, but there is an exception there. Um, the patients themselves, so this is a big one that I was wondering here, as I was like, what happens to people who ask for it? Uh, the enforcement is against the doctors themselves. Um, it is... So the, the, the patients can't be sued, but the doctors can. Um, the bill does have certain uh, provisions in it that makes it so that it does reach across county lines. The wording of it makes it sound like it can reach across uh, Texas state border lines, although there is the wonder of how they would be able to stop you. Uh, there, 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 the, there is some about enforcement in this law that I was reading through, and it's it's... Not too long, but I, while there was many pages that I could say, like, oh, this is how they're going to enforce that, they actually didn't have a particular one for that if you travel outside of the county. Now, so I'm guessing that the outside of the county is a Texas county. Again, that could be interpreted as a state county, but they really wouldn't have a way of enforcing that one. Um, the Okay, so one of the more controversial parts of this is it does have a $10,000 uh, award, a bounty. Uh, if you do report someone who is getting or has got an abortion, 
Um, it's $10,000. Now, whoever does the reporting is actually listed as the plaintiff. Now, the state will take care of things from there, but you, anybody who does the reporting here uh, is the plaintiff. And the way the wording works, the citizens are authorized to act as legal enforcement uh, for this law. Um, it will be $10,000. And they're and as the plaintiff, you're, uh, there's there's obviously costs associated with that, but you would have your the state will reimburse your legal fees if you do that. Um, one of the uh, while I was reading through this, one of kind of more of the the humorous parts of this law on pages five, nine, and twelve, it all talks about how and if uh, the feds or other states can't sue us even if they think we broke the law. And it's like that's that's not usually how laws work like it's like the supreme court can't do anything about it you can't just say the supreme court can't do anything about it and have the supreme court not be able to do anything about it uh but but that is that is in several places in the law it talks about how other other states kind of can't challenge them uh and the federal federal you know jurist has no jurisdiction there um but they they, they try to say it and so i wonder how, if that actually will hold wa water um, it'd be an interesting precedent going forward. Um, lawyers uh, trying to challenge the law actually receive additional penalties under the law for trying to challenge the law. Uh, so it is not, they wouldn't be able to challenge it as a normal lawyer would, which is just, nope, I disagree with this law. We're going to challenge it in court. They actually put additional blocks for um, taxpayer funded blocks to try and challenge the bill. Um, and it does the same kind of for judges as well that try to make a ruling against this if those judges if those lawyers that we talked about earlier should bring it to court um the law is written in a way that makes it so that if one part for whatever reason is still defeated even with those provisions in place the rest of the law still stands so you actually have to charge to take it apart piece by piece uh can't be repealed wholesale of course that would be with the exception of a supreme court or federal injunction because desiree is our special guest i'm going to let her speak first on this one she's from texas she is the expert so go ahead and give us your thoughts on the texas abortion ban des so uh, just i just want to say real quick though watching lose face as you were going into detail like that could so be a TikTok video oh my god i'm Sorry, because so many of those details I hadn't had an opportunity to read. I've just been catching like sound bites here and there. So a lot yeah. of that is just mind blowing to me. But go ahead. It it is ridiculous. And I'm sure you all heard about because this it went viral, but there was a a whistleblower website put on by I forget the name of the organization right now, but uh, by a pro-life organization. And um, people were just flooding it with all kinds of fake um reports and and the website finally just crashed it went down and you know and that's what's beautiful about things like tiktok or whatever these kids mean business you know <laughs> it's great <laughs> i love it i was one but, of them yay <laughs> yay <laughs> i think i might have just followed you on tiktok yesterday actually but <laughs> um but yeah i i mean how dystopian is this law i mean I've, I have at least read, um, you know, I haven't sat and read the entire bill. I've read like, you know, big chunks of the highlights and so on. And of course, had many discussions about it with um, my friends in Texas, other libertarians in Texas, people that aren't libertarians in Texas. Um, and honestly, one thing I've noticed is that even my um, pro-life 
friends and family disagree with this law. Um, they they believe it is entirely dystopian and just an insane overreach. And it is. It's um, I, I just OK. Um, Curry Taylor is the uh, the county chair of Dallas County Libertarian Party. One of the first people I met when I joined the party um, a, a decade ago. And anyway, he was always, always, always like um, just extremely passionate about this issue. Um, and from the from the choice perspective, of course, and I remember reaching out to him after the bill passed and saying, I should have listened to you. I did not think that this would happen in my lifetime. I mean, I, I just I didn't pay that much attention to it. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are um, choice activists who aren't necessarily involved in a political party, but that's like kind of their passion project. And and I'm like, well, what is it that they're doing? You know, like I know there are always like little like battles that need to be fought that, you know, probably stay more behind closed doors that the public isn't necessarily made aware of. Um, but this I, I, I like watching Lou's face is how I felt. And I'll never forget, we were on a campaign call on Zoom and we were talking about it, you know, when like right when it was signed, um, it hadn't taken effect yet, but I just started crying. It's like, I can't even believe this. Like, this is not a reality. Um, and Howdy, uh, I, I know you remember this, but Towards the beginning of the pandemic, Vermin Supreme had released that video, Unprecedented Moment in Time. And I, I watched that the other day and it was so upsetting because I was like, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like jumbled right now and moving a little bit forward, but I feel like we could have done so much better, um, you know, over the last uh, 15, 16 months than we did. And watching that, I was like, oh, we were so full of hope. And now it's like, I can't go have an abortion if I need to. You know, like it's ridiculous. Um, reading Jacob's comments. Oh yeah, don't worry too much about the comments. Those will. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't worry I, too much about Jacob. I'm curious as to his perspective, though. You know, very curious because I'm aware of his beliefs, and so you know, it's an it's a it's an interesting thought and good perspective. But anyway, I'll stop rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do that. No, you're just you're just fine, uh, as you should. Uh, people, you know, generally silent politicians don't do too well. Uh, I, I, although I wish <laughs> oh, there were more. Told me the uh, <laughs> I thought we were friends. How do you go? Oh no, Brian. Let's go ahead and get some male perspective here because that's what really matters. Oh wait, no, you go, can't do that. It's go ahead and give it. No male perspectives <laughs> allowed. Oh, we're just going to take it. I didn't even get to say anything yet. <laughs> yeah, his, if it agrees so with their opinion, Brian, then. <laughs> I didn't even get a chance to say anything. You guys don't even know my position. I was purposely keeping it quiet for this for this meeting, for our, our podcast. Sorry, um, you were just the lucky yeah. victim. I was saving that one all I know, I know. <laughs> Hang on here. And I just want to get this in. Ready? Are you ready? Ditto. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah. Go, I, it, this is this is one of the most ridiculous laws. I have not had a lot of time to read through it, but I'm reading through some of the things here. And this is an interesting little piece here on this law. It is an affirmative defense. If you go out and accuse a doctor 
of performing an abortion. <laughs> it is an affirmative defense for you if the doctor sues you. Uh, if a person sued under, under this subsection reasonably believed after conducting a reasonable investigation that the physician performing or inducing the abortion had complied or would have complied with this chapter. So basically the way I'm reading that is basically if you accuse a doctor of saying, I know he performed an abortion and you did just a, a bit of research, anything like that. You can fight it in court and say, well, I, I did a reasonable search. And we know how well reasonable searches go uh, in law. So this is, if I'm a doctor in Texas, uh, I'm by Lone Star State. <laughs> That's right. That, the liability right there yeah. is so enormous. And all they have to do is a reasonable reasonable investigation while well, i went and asked oh we're getting back now to you know uh you know anonymous informants <laughs> so right. it it is ridiculous on every front and the funny thing is this the way they've written it and even with all the other well if this is struck then those laws still there for everything else no the supreme court's going to have a field day with this because they're going to write why every single point of this goes number one against Roe v. Wade, previous decisions on that. I don't care what the previous judges are so far. They've been pretty much constitutional going with, with precedent. But number two, the bitch slap that the legislation is going to get on this is going to be hilarious. I don't see it making it through district court. I see district courts putting a, a, a stop on it, and then enforcement's going to stop almost immediately. Um, it'll be one of the few things that the Biden administration will get right hopefully, <laughs> you know, stopped clock type of thing. Um, but it should be, I, I'm guessing that this will be in federal, uh, this will be in federal court very quickly, especially with the interstate pieces of it. That to me is how can you write a, a law that prevents interstate? Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, that's all I have on this one. All right. Solid ditto. All right. <laughs> Let's have your puny female opinion on an abortion bill. Let's, oh, <laughs> wow. role, hoodie. Yeah, is, I, I feel like if I yeah. don't this, then like I'm not like all the other pro lifers out there. So I, I wanna, I wanna, There's that hater hoodie coming out again. Hater hoodie coming out hard. All right, go ahead, Lou. So I've got after hearing you kind of break down some of the pieces of this legislation that I hadn't really heard. Um, I kind of had to backtrack a little bit because I had all my stuff like prepared. I was going to lay the smack down and now I'm like, shit. Uh, it's crazier than I thought. <laughs> it really is. Um, so on the legislation itself, I mean, and the fact that they're like, it's almost like they might as well have written no takesies backsies when they were like, and nobody can overrule this ever. Like, that's not how it works. I mean, I guess it is Texas, so maybe they'll be like, okay, fine, we, we want to secede from the United States. Like, I guess you could do that, but good luck. I don't know. Uh, no takesy backsies is in page 17. <laughs> oh, I knew it. See, I should, I should be writing legislation. <laughs> but, like, that's just mind-blowing to me. Um that I will say I, I was a little, I mean, there's really nothing good in this, but I was a little bit relieved 
to hear that, um, you know, because some of the, the blown out of proportion nonsense you hear on social media is that, you know, they're going to throw women in jail, you know, when they get an abortion and they're going to throw them in prison for years and like just terrible, terrible things. And I think, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like really the ones being prosecuted would be just the doctors. Like the, the women themselves would not be considered the, I don't know, suspect in this case. Right. But the thing is that it sets up a civil penalty, which is far lower barrier but a criminal move on this is is a oh by the way this is now criminal, so right. I mean, no, it's, I agree. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean it's still it's not. I mean it's shit is still shit. <laughs> um, but I was a little bit relieved to hear that it was not like we're throwing women in prison on you know as soon as they walk out of the clinic kind of thing. You know, no slippery slope um, though we know that. Oh, there's three. Right. <laughs> um, so. I think the thing that really frustrates me the most is that the amount of time and research that has gone into what it takes to limit the numbers of abortions that women seek. Um, and, and there's a handful of things. And Hody probably remembers this. We This was a big part of our um, policy when we worked with Larry. Uh, Larry Sharp. And, you know, people wanted legislation one way or another on abortion. And we were like, or we get to the root cause of it. And we're talking about everything from economics to education to the criminal justice system. Um, You know, and, and that is, there are so many facets to each of those facets. You know, if you're looking at the criminal justice system, um, victims of rape, you know, a lot of times they don't want to report a rape because our criminal justice system is so jacked up that all, all they do is re-traumatize rape victims and very rarely ever get a conviction or any sort of justice for these victims. So if it's not reported as a rape, but you know you were raped, so you want an abortion and then you can be, you know, prosecuted on some level for that or what have you, or just abortions are banned across the board, like now you're in trouble. Um, So there's just, there's so many different things that we have to fix to actually get to a point where we are lowering the numbers of abortions that women are seeking because we're giving them a better nation to start from. Um, We're giving them better opportunities. We're getting them out of environments where they're being abused by a father, stepfather, or, um, you know, left alone or in low income or low education communities, like all of these things that contribute to it, you know? And I will say, I I had a joke lined up for this and I was going to be like, well, you know, the reasons, the top five reasons that women seek abortion are none of your business, none of your business, none of your business. Mm. (laughs) Um, And that's still very true, but I totally got ahead of myself and way too serious. Um, it was going to be how dare you take abortion seriously but yeah right I mean obviously like 
and, and in true like bad lefty fashion, I one of the things that I really wanted to say on this topic was, you know, I I really have such a hard time dealing with like that small but loud portion of the left that phrases in such grotesque and insensitive fashion having an abortion. You know, the whole shout your abortion and celebrate your abortion. The number of women who are traumatized because they've had to have an abortion, whether it was for health reasons or, you know, I really want to finish my education and, and get out of this life that I've lived and I can't, I don't feel that I can do that because I don't have the support to do both and I have to make a really hard decision. Like, I don't personally know a single woman who's had an abortion and been like, woohoo, that was awesome. Like, that's, even if it's the right thing for you at the time and the best decision you can make, it's still not easy. It's still very traumatizing. And when we have that small fringe group on the left that's being exceptionally loud, and I get that their idea is that they're trying to normalize it. Right. They are not An Overton window kind of thing, too. But yeah. Right. I'm like, would you shut up? <laughs> like, there's so many women. Like, abortion in and of itself is, a, is often a traumatizing thing. And when you treat it as something to celebrate, you're not looking at the issues. Well, and, and the I circumstances surrounding you know, making it necessary to, to have to exactly. take that out of an option. Yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly. So I think, you know, this is, this is a cheap shot. Um, it is probably one of the most misogynistic bills and it's also medically just irresponsible because, you know, talking about so many women don't know they're pregnant until long after, you know, there would be, a recognizable heartbeat and especially in cases of rape where people oftentimes don't report or disclose for months after you know so they're even though they're saying they're not going to criminally prosecute women at this point they're you know they are certainly persecuting women and i i would really like to see just a mass exodus of PhDs from the state of Texas to go work in Louisiana, Oklahoma, New Mexico. <laughs> like, oh, that'd be great. And I, yeah, I'd really like to see how they think they're gonna, you know, have any kind of repercussions against anybody outside of their state lines. Well, the one thing about this bill, which is so short-sighted, is that number one, obviously, it's gonna have constitutional issues. But number two. I mean, if you wanted to turn Texas purple, there's a great way to do it. And so this is a, this for the Republican party, this is, and I understand voters have a very short attention span and, you know, they'll go ahead and say, oh, well, you know, it was ruled unconstitutional, no harm, no foul. Yeah, but there is going to be harm and foul, especially when we're running in mostly what's say, uh, you know, 45, 45, well, maybe five, we get lucky uh, in some districts, hopefully a lot more for you, Desiree. Um, but it, it's tough to sit there and see that and go, this makes no sense, even from a political aspect. 
you could have written a very much watered down bill that probably could have got a lot of people on board by saying, look, third trimester, you know, maybe we have to go through that, that certificate process or whatever. But, um, and that's the thing is that, oh, Laura, Dennis and I are agreeing. Dear God, help us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's just going to drive people to, to look at Republicans just as silly as they are. And unfortunately, Democrats are being quiet at this point. So, not really. Both, oh, they aren't? I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, you're no, on the ground. So not in Texas. Quiet. Oh, I, I uh, just, just to throw this out there real quick um, there's a nonprofit organization called Women's March that actually formed after Trump was elected. And um, I, I've just joined their organization. And of course, they're mostly Democrats. There's a smattering of some third-party um, women in there that I've encountered so far. But uh, I think most of us are familiar with the Women's March, right? I mean, that was a. I would imagine, a yeah, it's yeah. a, it's it's a, it's an amazing organization, and uh, we just had the first planning call. We're doing nationwide marches on October second, ahead of the Supreme Court reconvening on October fourth. Um, so even though I live in Tool, Texas. And I'm running in Senate District 3. I'm still going to be helping to organize and attending the Austin March because that's the belly of the beast, you know. So um, the Austin and D.C. marches are pretty much like the, the flagship marches. But we, I, I looked at the map earlier and I, I almost heard crying. There were marches popping up everywhere. I mean, I saw three just in like some of the most rural states I can't even remember which one, but like just several of them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, we're pissed. <laughs> you know, We're not going to yeah. take this lying down. Yeah. Send me a link to that because I want to see if I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually, I have it linked on my website too. Um, if you actually want to send the link in the chat, I'll put it on the, I'll put it on the screen so everybody can see it. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that you've all had your fun, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, <laughs> my, now, Whenever there's a short law, uh, that is always a sign to me that that I'm like, because every law that there's a lot of ground to cover. I mean, you look at a medical, you know, bill or ballot or something, and most most of these laws take a long time to read. They're a pain in the butt. Um, in this case, it was it was a um, very short law. It's very easy to read for yourself. Um, and that usually indicates to me that somebody wrote it in crayon originally before converting it to the, the normal format. And so whenever there's something like this, even though nothing like, of course, sounds super childish, there's already, like we've talked about on the show already, there's several like holes that you can poke in. This is the reason why you have like a healthcare bill that had all kinds of problems, corruption, money going to fake districts and stuff like that. I mean, it was bad, but this is why it was as long as it was because it's like hey if you're going to try to challenge that here's this here's this and so because it's so short the glaring holes in it become all the bigger because we can say oh my gosh this was easy for me to read how easy is it for me to read for other people um okay so i was in a hospital and i'm going to sound pro-life before i go pro-choice because i am technically pro-choice i'm going to tarantino you a little bit though and i'm going to give you the pro-life kind of part first um and where you see you hody yes <laughs> right this this darn center guy um so 
we were in a ho- I was in a hospital that did perform one of those. I mean, they even talked about it on the shows. Hey, we perform hundreds of them a day. It's really not a big deal, you know. Like you'll you'll kind of see some of these things. And I gotta say, yes, we performed hundreds of them a day, and yes, they were all a big deal. Like we say, it's not a big deal, but it is. And they are, uh, Lou. I'm glad you mentioned they're traumatic events for, and, and they are traumatic events for the patient, the mother involved. They are traumatic also for the medical crew. We had a psych ward um, that was like right next door to the abortion. And that was just coincidental. It wasn't like we just sent them from getting the abortion to the psych ward. But I mean, more often than not, not only would the patient end up there, I guess I can't say more often than not, but the medical crew would would be there as well. I'm talking to psychologists and therapists and whatnot like that. It is an experience that, and I got to say, people who kind of kind of go flippantly pro-choice kind of, and I'm not saying you have to necessarily see an abortion performed or, or have it, have it, you don't need to witness one to kind of understand. But for those who have been there, throwing up is not uncommon. And for the doctors, nurses, us, it, it is a, it's a tough tough thing to go through even when it's like the needle and like even when it's super early i mean we're talking so there's different ways that the abortions perform depending depending on how long the embryos come along um there's not just like a single like abortion way you know i mean there are times when we just i mean even at six weeks where we can say hey take this pill it's not lodged in yet you'll be fine um most of the time when it's that early on when you're talking first maybe not entirely through the first trimester but for the first couple of months it's one of those that that they usually we have an injection, um, or and and again I, I haven't been part of this process for oh gosh fifteen to twenty years so please don't like it, the medical medical stuff updates all the time but this is back when I was right. doing it we'd have a needle that would inject the embryo with a lethal fluid that wouldn't always work right and so like you pull it out and you still got and you can say human, not whatever, but it's still moving and it still has a heartbeat. And that is a really tough thing to go through to see. And you're like, well, do I squish it and put it out of its misery? Do I crush it? I mean, it's, it's a, or at what, at what point do we treat it as a human? We're not supposed to treat it as a human ever. And this is why you got all those videos that came forward of like, people, well, people, babies, embryos, whatever you want to call them, fetuses crying in like a trash can, like in the side while they're just waiting for it to shut up and die because there's no real protocol here. We're supposed to treat it like medical waste and, um, or medical, you know, depending on the state you live in, there were times where you treat it as a medical product because you could, you know, resell it or, or move it, or you're not supposed to resell it for profit, but there's some videos that poke some holes in how that gets done as well. Um, and it's, it's tough. And I got to say, so like, then you've got the midterm and, and even late first trimester abortions where what you do is when it's far enough along, you try to clip the spine, right? Like at the neck and try to behead it while it's still in the womb. And that is a, I got to say, when the doctor's like putting pressure on it and you hear like crunching, it is a tough thing to hear. And it's, 
it, it, I will just, from a personal standpoint, it is difficult to go through. It is difficult to watch. It is tough for me to just outright say this was never a human being when it's crying, when it's, and, and we are, I mean, I got to say the people who say like, this is the majority of abortions when they come out crying. I know I've used those examples. We performed hundreds a day. They are accurate 99% of the time, right? Like, like nothing goes wrong most of the time and it comes out it's dead there's no squirming whatever but when you perform hundreds a day and you get one percent that happen to be crying breathing whatever you want to say moving wiggling writhing it, it, it is a tough i i gotta say it messed me up real bad uh it certainly tainted my view on the issue and it's a tough thing for me to see i don't want women to make I don't want women or anybody to make that choice, to, to go through that, right? Now, here's where I turn pro-choice. As is with everything else in this life, is my better option to use government force or is it to use culture? And culture is an absolutely superior option. I got to say, there were the people that were crying outside, you suck, you whatever. They made no difference in people's minds. What made a difference in people's minds? We had certain groups that would come in and say like, hey, if you decide to go through it, we'll pay for these medical procedures. We'll guide you through the process. We'll help. We'll pay. We'll cover abortion and not abortion adoption costs. Right. We, we want to come in and help you. They were a lot of times religious. They were a lot of disorganized groups um, and they were the most successful in this. Now, even more successful than them. I rarely saw this pr this procedure performed when the mother or when the patient had anybody else involved. I mean, a mom, a dad, a brother, a boyfriend, husband. This was almost exclusively, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking 999 times out of a thousand, almost exclusively performed by a woman who is alone and feels she has no other options and nowhere to turn. And so when you create a culture that, that commands silence and secrecy like this law does, then you're not then you're actually perhaps cre contributing to this pro-choice problem if you want to call it of women choosing to get these abortions because they're scared to tell you that they got pregnant they're scared to tell you that i oh gosh i i can't i can't let my boyfriend know he'll be mad i can't let my husband know he'll be upset i can't let you know and so and so they just they shut up about it they try to get this done and you know be you know, it, it experience, they try to, the, if the goal is to have less abortions, your more effective strategy is to encourage them, be with them, love them, be there for them, give them a home, stop being judgmental, you know, and, and be there at, and encourage and show them that there will be a place after this procedure is done or the procedure is not done, that they won't be judged, that they will be loved and that they and their child will be taken care of. And so for me, that is by far the superior technique just because I saw it work, right? Like even among people that, and it's so hard as a third party, you know, to say like, hey, this is our organization, sign these papers, you know, but it was much easier for a family member to come in and say like, we've got this. Now, as always, there's exceptions. Of course, it's a different feeling when we perform it and the mother's life is in danger. It just is, right? Like, and it's a different, it's a different feeling when it's, a, a, you know, rape, incest, that kind of, those kinds of reasons. There's a sense of relief. Like those aren't the ones that even if it kind of goes badly that there's throwing up and, 
you know, difficulty coping from the medical staff. Like we are just like, okay, let's like, th this is going to be okay. I see that there's a lot of comments. So I'm going I'm to let this go back to you all to discuss because we've got a ton of comments a bit based on what I said here. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that it's important to understand, like Lou even mentioned, it's not a celebratory thing. It's really tough. It does make me sad. I even have a tough time with kind of like the, and I mean, just from a personal, honest opinion, I even have a tough time with like the little one that's like a week old, like just seeing it like in the bag still didn't feel good for me. So like, I just, it, it, I understand that that's personal and obviously I'm biased on the issue just because of what I've seen. That's not I didn't see normal things, right? What mo most people tend to deal with. Right. So, but yeah, go ahead, uh, discuss a little bit, uh, open forum, whatever you want to say. Can can I mansplain uh, abortion for the next yeah. few minutes? Yeah, hit me. Oh dear God! <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna let the ladies go in this one because there's nothing else I can say. <laughs> I, I want to say, Hody, you know, what, what you said, you know, it did affect me. I used to be staunchly pro-life, like militantly. Um, and I wasn't religious, it, you know, so it had nothing to do with that. It was um, my, my, um, my best friend growing up, her mother was a, a pro-life activist and that kind of had an effect on me. You know, I had to watch all those videos and all the, and all that stuff. And um, it, and when I was, well, I had my son when I was 18. I never had considered abortion for an option. Um, my mom and I had talked about adoption. And as soon as I found out for sure I was pregnant, I, the, the thought of it, I couldn't, like, I, I wanted to keep him and I'm so glad I did. But his life might have been better had I, um, oh, thanks, Wyatt. Uh, had I, you know, given him a production, but you know what? He's a happy, he's a happy, well-adjusted adult and he and I are like super tight. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing here. So I was about 19 or I think I was 19 and I was at the hot tub of these apartments that I lived in. And um, there was a girl there that was friends with one of my friends and she would not get in the hot tub. And I was like, well, hey, how come you're not sitting here with us? And she's like, well, I'm, I have to go have a procedure done tomorrow. I'm, oh, what kind of procedure? Not picking up on, you know, that, that is kind of usually the word um, that they use. And I went off on her when she explained to me what she, I was like, how could you do that? That's such a terrible thing. And I, I mean, I, I was, I was an asshole, a total asshole. She started bawling and she's like, I was raped. I, I have to do this. I can't live with this. Like the, the trauma is just too much for me to bear. And she was like, I believe a year younger than me. So 18, I mean, she was a young woman. And when she started crying, I, that's immediately, I, I just, I knew I was wrong on that issue entirely. How dare I judge her? How dare I say anything to her? How, like, what kind of nerve did that take for me to do that? Um, and the fact is, you know, I, I'm absolutely grateful that she had a way to, to, you know, heal from the, that's one step of the process of healing from the trauma that surrounded that. And then, and, you know, like Lou said, and, and Hody reiterated that, you know, it is a traumatic experience. I've had two abortions. I'm not thrilled that I had them, but it was the best choice for me. 
best choice for my family, best choice for the son I already had. Um, you know, and the and it's it's I'm grateful that I had the freedom and ability to just go to a clinic and get it done. And yeah, I was sad. I came home and I cried. It wasn't easy, but it was the best thing to do. And fortunately, that probably saved two lives from being completely fucking miserable at the minimum, you know, not to mention my own son, um, you know, mine and everybody involved. Um, and it's, it, it, it's just, it's a tough thing. And we, we all have personal convictions about it, but at the end of the day, it's not on us to tell anyone anything. And I was a real piece of shit that I did that to someone else. And it took that. He and I actually wound up being really, really, really good friends after that. Um, and she appreciated that, that I knew I was wrong and, and came around on it and, and so on. But, uh, what a terrible thing that I did. Awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, but how much does the guilt change anything? You know, at this point, yeah. all we can do is learn, talk, share experiences and grow. Yeah. Um, I do want to address somebody real quick here. Diana, I know you're saying that I'm spewing misinfo. Again, this is this is my experience, and it was from a long time ago. I did specify that going into it. it uh, you're saying saline abortions aren't done anymore. That's cool. I, Again, I, I, I said that I haven't been keeping up. So I'm not yeah. trying to spew misinfo here. This is what we performed. I believe they still do the, the beheading, right? Or like at least the, the severing, right? Just to like make sure. But that's, again, that's something. If, if there's a totally different process, please enlighten me. I'm not trying to spread misinformation. This is simply my experience with it. And uh, if it's if they've upgraded the process, then that is that is great. Sorry, go ahead. But one thing I did want to bring up about the adoption piece and the abortion piece, um, I, I my wife and I adopted four kids out of foster care, and we did foster Aww. care for years. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really a how do I want to say this? There are, are there are some people who just don't care. Um, they 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 don't have they understand the long term consequences. They've already lost children, and they keep losing them. So, and this gets into the whole libertarian de debates we've had uh, before about uh, separating children from parents when they can't take care of them. And, and this is just one of those items that just keeps coming up. And unfortunately, until society figures it out, um, we're going to have to keep doing what we're doing. And I, I don't see a better way. I don't see how forcing women who want to have abortion, because I can tell you this much, I don't see a lot of people volunteering to go into foster care. I don't see a lot of people volunteering to take these kids. And I mean, it, it, right. it's a it's a big kind of crapshoot, especially if you don't know if somebody's been substance abusing and things like that. You don't know if the child's going to come out with significant problems. And so that keeps those people away. So, yeah. Um, sorry, I, I got disconnected there for a minute, um, and I might have missed a couple things, but I, I wanted to chime in to kind of follow up on, on some of the things that Lindsay was saying. When um, every day when we drive to work, we pass a women's clinic, and probably four out of five days, there is a group protesting in front of the clinic 
liter and and women have to literally walk through them to get into the clinic. Yep. And it's heartbreaking to see. And my husband and I were were talking about this at one point. Um, you know, a few months back, I think you know, some, one of the first times that I had seen protesters out there, and I was like, oh my goodness, you know. And it's hateful, hateful stuff. And they have little kids out there holding signs that are hateful to these poor women and girls in a lot of cases. And my husband told me um, a story about when he was younger and living in Chicago. He worked um, as a bouncer at like some clubs and stuff like that. And he, one of the, one of the girls that was a dancer at the club came to him and said, I need to go to the clinic, but I'm scared. Would you come with me? And he's like, yeah, like, absolutely. And so he walked her in and, you know, put his big hoodie on her over her head. So over her face so nobody could see her. He walked her in and he was so, um, like humbled just by the experience of, you know, seeing kind of what it was like for her to have to walk through a picket line and go through this, um, just in that experience. So for the next, I don't know, however many years he lived there, he continued to go and do that by himself on a voluntary basis and just acted kind of as a bodyguard and talked to them in the waiting room and sat there and held their hands and got them through the picket lines and that's why I married him but I just had to tell that story because it was really sweet that is sweet that's beautiful that's fabulous I went to uh just to kind of add something on top of what you just said um I went to a uh women's clinic in Dallas when I still lived in Dallas every uh every time I needed a checkup to get my birth control and they were open on Saturdays. And so that's why I went and I, I, I'm, I go there and I'm thinking, Oh, I'm just going for a checkup. No big deal. Like, I don't have to worry about it. They still cornered me and I wasn't young. I was like, you know, like late twenties, early thirties, you know, I wasn't a child, like, you know, a, a scared 12 year old who was raped by her uncle or something just horrifying like that. Um, that they used to, you know, they use those facts to intimidate them. They're just horrible, vile people. But anyway, um, they, uh, you know, so they corner me and I'm like, I'm just here for a checkup. Can you just like, leave me alone? And, um, oh, oh, you're, what, you're getting on birth control? You're, yeah, I'm on birth control. Um, well, that's irresponsible. That means your husband is holding out on you if he's, (laughs) like, what? Like, I just... Like you people are batshit. And I was just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just trying to prevent myself from having to be here for something else. And went in and and did my thing. But I didn't even think to like ask my husband to go with me or anything because I was just there to get a checkup and get my prescription for birth control. <sighs> They're crazy holding for me what <laughs> yeah you know there, there's a it's just 
and the fact that women making these difficult decisions i think one of the tough parts about this is it, we talk about Roe v. Wade, and I understand that Roe v. Wade was done as a privacy rights bill. Like, it's like, hey, we're not saying whether it's a person or not. We're just saying it's it, you have to invade a great deal of privacy to enforce any kind of law against abortion. Mm -hmm. And you totally do, right? Like, there's a mm -hmm. ton of invasion of privacy. And so it's, it, it's weird to me because I feel like Roe v. Wade would apply to almost all of this bill just because, like, citizens conducting an investigation, like, that is so... That is so invasive of privacy. Like, and, and like, I understand like law enforcement or citizens or whoever you have doing it, it's going to be very invasive. One of the big issues that I've had yeah. with the pro-life advocates is it's like, well, how much harm is it like, okay to do the day? If we can't have an abortion, then can you drink, you know, smoke? I mean, you know, if we're gonna talk about, if it's another person, if you're gonna treat this as another entity, then suddenly, like you can't have any harm come to the other person. So do we lay every pregnant person up in feather beds and, you know, like peel grapes, but then also lock the door to make sure they can't get outside? Well, like, I mean, there's just, there's so much, there's so it opens the door to how much harm can happen. And these are just difficult, you know, it's, this, yeah. This is HIPAA hell. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> right. really is. It, I, I could just see somebody breaking HIPAA to try to get, and I, I'm kind of going through it, and I'll I'll do take some more through the law here, but I it's going to go counterintuitive because if you get that ten thousand dollar reward for breaking HIPAA and says that oh you can't be prosecuted, watch the feds go oh yes you can <laughs> very quickly. So yeah. it, it's, as I said, this thing fails so badly. And I'm guessing a district court's going to go through it and be like, you got so many pieces in here that either break Roe v. Wade, that break other. They might try to get a friendly district judge that might say, oh, okay, we'll listen to it. But it's going to have delayed implementation. It's never going to. I don't see it seeing the light of day. Let's hope it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it's. It, I mean, it's Bill, it's effective well enough right now. I just, uh, one might think that the Supreme Court is going to step in and be like, okay, it's, that, uh, that's, well, we'll that's see. enough. I mean, how much do they like being told in the law, by the way, you guys can't do anything about well, it? I, I just, I don't think that that's going to be something that they like. Well, the Supreme Court, the, the reason is that they take a look at pre facie and see if it, if it was unconstitutional. And they kind of went right along the lines and saying, no, we're not we're not saying it's unconstitutional, but we're not saying it's stupidly right now. So they probably want to hear some of these defenses because, mm -hmm. you know, it might just leave something open. Um, but um, it, it's really it, it, again, uh, we're just we're circling this and it, it's we'll see what happens. I, I'm sure the Texas District Court is going to probably chew on it. The feds are going to chew on it for a little bit and that'll be it. I wanted to comment also, and I'd almost forgotten about this part. Um, there was some statement the government or the governor made. Um, oh dear God! Questioned by a reporter, something to the effect of like, "Well, we're just going to end, you know, rape and all whatever." Yeah. Something to that effect. We're just going to get rid of rape. Oh, no shit! Why didn't we think of that hundreds of years ago? Like, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, yeah, he's come under a lot of fire for that, and rightfully so. Like, holy shit. 
How about you test all those rape kits that are sitting there before you like say you're gonna just get rid of rape? <laughs> right. Yeah, so I'm getting I'm getting some chats and apparently a lot of what I experienced was done around like 2007 and the majority and I did know this the majority is done via as I have posted on the screen here uh, dilation and and uh, Event. yeah yeah and aspiration suction. some yeah. kind of su suction yeah it's I so my job just so people know I am not a doctor I want to specify this my job was to run vitals and make sure that like you know heartbeats going blood pressure is still there which is actually a pretty big deal especially when somebody's under some anesthesia now to say that I was like an active smart person and knew exactly what was going on here um you know it's okay there we go yeah that's yeah there's the four steps there that i'm talking about okay i think diane and i are finally on the same page here uh yeah i there's there's and and some yeah. of these processes apparently what i saw was like and it was only one percent very small limited like the the bad stuff that i'm talking about was around like one percent brian mentioned here in the private chat it did stop like we've gotten even better since 2007. this was me fresh out of fresh out of high school Kind of, I think I took one year of college. So what, that would have been 2004. I did the EMT thing to five. So yeah, this would have been just before 2007. I, I don't, uh, there, there's a lot of complexities to it. So please don't, uh, what I'm saying is please don't take anything I said to be like, this is what all medicine is about. I right. am not a doctor and EMT is not a doctor. I am a great taxi driver that is able to keep you alive for a little bit until I get you into the hands of somebody else. So I, I if anything I said, if anything I said sounded ignorant, I, I apologize. I, I, I honestly, all I know is what I saw and, you know, I, I wasn't in tune with what was, you know, super going on around me. Hody, your description though, let me just say it's, I mean, it is heartbreaking, but the thing is, is that, it, it's reality and it's part of every medical procedure. There's things like that, that, that we expect our medical, uh, you know, people that are performing procedures to be heartless, you know, well, you know, just, uh, it, it's very tough. So we need to take a look at this and, and understand it. But in the end, in the end, people have to do these things and yeah. we're better and off to do it anyway. So yeah. We're we better might off make sure that they can do it safely. Sorry, yeah, that's that. it's it's just like with drugs and everything else. Well, we don't want you doing it because it could be dangerous. You don't know who's doing it. Well, you make it illegal, and there's still a market for it. Guess what's going to happen? So, yeah. it, it, it's just this. We're going to see this. I I think be gone very quickly. Yeah. Um. Is there anybody, anybody else? Any, anybody want to squeeze anything in here? We got about we got a few minutes before we're going to flip over to the piece of my mind segment, and I want anybody to get out anything that they feel is we still haven't addressed for this bill. Any anybody with any last thoughts? I just want every one of these legislatures that passed the bill. I'm looking forward to them to signing up and becoming foster parents. I mean, if Tony Dungy could do it as an NFL coach, all of them can do it. Yes. So please sign up. Let's let's see you put the you know, put put your money where your mouth is. Absolutely. Um, I also I wanted to to wrap it up with a, uh, you know, coming from more of a, a religious aspect, um, looked into it and. I, as far as I can tell, there are no specific scriptures that are anti-abortion. Um, in fact, there are a couple of scriptures that in certain contexts support it. 
Um, and then there's also the fact that, um, you know, God sacrificed his adult son. So obviously he's very pro late, late, late term abortion. So I'm kidding. <laughs> that was in very poor taste, but I had to say it. I know. I, I, if you didn't do it, it I was, I would, yeah. I would, I would be, yeah. It it, <laughs> it 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 gets down also the one thing that I wanted to talk about. I get this uh, last thing that comes from a libertarian perspective: a woman is raped; it's a violation of an app. She goes to the doctor, and someone wants to intervene with that. That's a violation of the app. She has an abortion; people view that as a violation of the app. This is like nap inception. It just keeps stacking and stacking. And at some point, you gotta say, "Look, you know what." This person's already been through enough trauma. It's going to be a violation of the nap to force a person that doesn't want to carry the term to carry a child's term to be able to go ahead and carry that child's term and raise them. So, you know, at some point we got to start saying, you know, we've got to understand people have rights. Women have autonomy over their bodies. That's just how life is. Um, I do take Dave Chappelle's little bit about it funny. You should be able to get an abortion, but the guy should also be able to abandon the, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. So... Yeah, anyhow. And yeah. yes, I agree. Why? One of the uh one of the things that bugged me at the end of uh of uh Infinity War was that Thanos got to do his terrible thing and then not be a part of like if he thought he was doing the right thing, okay, fine, but then he didn't want to be a part of the solution. And like Brian, you talked about like I look forward to them signing up for being foster parents. It's like you don't like it is very unethical and very hypocritical for you to snap your fingers and do this and then not be a part of their lives once they're born, right? Like, like why, why is it your caring right. stops? And this is the issue that people have so often. And I mean, we've all heard the, the argument, but just to reiterate, it's like you cared so much before they were born, but now that they're born, it's like, I don't care if they're educated. I don't care about it to give them medicine. I don't care to give them whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like you, and I understand from like, a, especially as a libertarian perspective, maybe not wanting to pay for it. Like we should not be funding abortions adoptions from a, from anything should we be funding whatever with taxpayer money insert you know whatever the anything is probably not right it's, taxation is theft and i don't like that but at the same time it's like if you want to create if you care so much about bringing this person to fruition you need to care about them after they've come to fruition and so you need to be a part of the parenting process if you demand that this person go through pregnancy and become a parent you know, so like, anyway, that's just that's just one of those. You, you look like Thanos, you evil people that want to snap your fingers and then don't want to do anything after after the child is born. Not saying all pro-lifers, but the pro-lifers that care about these these lives in the embryo and then stop caring after they're born. You come off as hypocritical for a darn good reason. We are going to take a brief break. And we'll be right back with the Peace of My Mind segment. So please don't go anywhere. It's about to get fun. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for holding on there. We are going to give you a piece of our minds here. There's four of us. So we'll try to keep it a little bit on the brief side because there's just so much to discuss. Uh, for my piece of my mind, I just wanted to talk about walking away from situations that aren't productive. Um, 
especially on social media, people feel the, that they can say anything because they have the anonymity of the internet, or even if they put their face out there like we have up here. Uh, it's a lot easier to be mean to Desiree when she's in Texas and I'm in Utah than we are face to face. And there's a good reason. I mean, libertarians are always shocked where they're like, wow, we had this convention and everybody got along. Isn't that weird? We're usually always fighting. Yeah, because you can't smack each other in the jaw, you know, like when you're when you're far away, when you say something that deserves to get smacked in the jaw. In the jaw. It is not a weakness if you just kind of say like, hey, I am, I, this, this isn't productive. This isn't going anywhere. You're getting mad. I'm getting mad. Nobody's learning anything. No, you know, we're, we're both very defensive right now. I'm just going to be done with it. Um, using the block button is really helpful. I, I, and it's just a feature that's there to just say like, you and I just don't have positive interactions. I'm sorry. And that's going to be the way it is. So Back in my religious days, uh, and I, I guess I'm still religious, um, back in my um, church-going days, I guess I'll say, I worked very hand-in-hand -hand with the missionaries when they'd have somebody who was particularly difficult because I I love to discuss and debate and listen and, and kind of talk about when people have difficulties grasping the faith or and, and understandably there, there, there are tenets that people don't want to we don't like to explain there, there it's the underbelly of the church that nobody wants to look at and so when of course naturally when people don't want to be part of your religion they're looking at that underbelly and they're saying well you don't want to address it and that's all i see right now like it's this gross you know you lift up the rock and there's a bunch of spiders under it and you're like no 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 the rock is pretty the rock is good and they're like well i know what's under there like it's it's ugly you know and so i i would kind of work with them to to help explain explain these things to people you know kind of make sense of it all um but whenever you're not having nobody can be a missionary for everybody there's somebody who's for who, who's better explaining things than others i've read so many economics books that whenever there's an economics discussion i find that i'm usually able to relate to capitalists socialists mutualists whatever your ism is um chicago style austrian style and just kind of say like hey let's let's work this out and we can have a productive conversation now i don't expect everybody to be on that level economically because it ha it only happened to me because i was in a hardcore nerd part of my life where i was just like i must read all these books because they're fun and i'm loving them and everything now if you have if you're not that kind of person that's great you're probably an expert on something else i mean even me describing abortion right now i'm obviously not the expert on it and so if somebody's like a doctor and coming at it from a medical you know standpoint i'm gonna have to take a step back i don't understand it well enough i don't know if many of us have done the work in understanding exactly what global warming is or climate change or whatever you call it is why it happens how the atmosphere works we can watch some videos and we can learn from those people but as far as us being the go-to experts on it most of us are not that and it's okay to just say like hey you know what i'm not an expert on this here's who i recommend that you talk to you know you develop those connections if you can so when we're having these arguments on facebook and we're just not reaching each other it's not giving up on the person to just pull the plug it's just saying you know what i'm hoping someone else can reach you on this because i'm just not doing a good job of it and you can take that personal accountability and just say i'm not there i don't believe that i, I don't give up on almost anybody because i don't think i've seen people change 
I mean, I've seen some people become libertarians where you're just shocked, right? Where you just say like, oh my gosh, I thought you were about as pro-state, pro-Republican as it got. And now here you are, you know, waving a Gadsden a rainbow Gadsden flag. And wow, like what happened? Like all of a sudden you've become, you become this great libertarian and somebody just hit him in a way that you couldn't before. And that's okay to just say like, you know what? There's somebody for everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rehash the specifics, but, you know, I became a something of a figure on social media for uh, blocking another individual in the movement. And the thing is, is I don't hate that individual. I don't dislike them. We just don't get along, you know, and, and it's okay to just be like, you know what, we don't get along and nothing productive comes of it. And it's you have your audience. I have my audience. I'm not I, I don't want to even stoke the I, the fires the flames i don't want my people flaming his people i don't want his people flaming me frankly until i was called out for this block a couple days ago it'd been really peaceful it was fantastic right and so like i i'm sad that people found out about the block that's how it goes but you know like i i am it, it's a it was a better existence when it was just like hey we don't we don't see eye to eye on this so let's just go ahead and call it a clean break it's not a weakness People think fighting every fight is a strength. Believe me, having come from speech and debate, I understand the want to put your dog in every fight. But speech and debate is performative, right? You do it for everybody else to be like, hey, everybody else, come watch this. I have my stance, he has his stance, and this is where, what we're talking about. But when you're, having, when you're trying to change somebody's mind on something, that shouldn't be performative. So if I'm trying to say like, hey, I think that you should, let's just use an example. I don't think you should be disparaging towards trans people. Or I think you should, even if you don't feel you're being disparaging, here's some language that you could use that makes trans individuals feel more welcome and accepted, right? Like here's some, if that, and then when they're like, ah, blah, 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 I don't like it, if that's not my goal, you know, let's talk about the issues that really matter. Be like, you know what? If I'm not reaching you, I hope somebody else does on this because I still feel that it's important. I've said what I'm gonna say. You're rejecting mm -hmm. what I'm gonna say. Let's just go our separate ways on it. I think that that's, that, that is a peaceful solution. Um, I talked about this on Daniel, I was on Daniel 3 this last week here. Uh, great show. Uh, Jacob Daniel Winograd, he's a uh, part of our, our little project here. Love what he has to say from a right libertarian perspective has some good uh, good ideas obviously i don't agree with him a good chunk of the time but uh you know we had a good conversation about people whose minds changed i had no idea like i still i don't even ugh. i still dislike guys i i <laughs> grain of salt here i still very much dislike the stuff that you dislike about stefan molyneux but on one oh. ex individual example he came around on christianity and that's cool. I thought there was no way that would have ever happened. I don't know who reached him. I don't know how they reached him, but they did a better job reaching him on that matter than me. Now, if the same person could please talk to him about race, science, and borders, we'd really be cooking. Uh, that would be wonderful. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm glad that somebody was able to reach him. But it's not a weakness if you're just not the right person. So if you say like, hey, sorry, I wasn't the right person, that's okay. Anyhow, that's peace of my mind. Uh, you all have probably, I'm sure all of us have been in a conversation where it's just best for us to leave if you want to share some of your experiences. I mean, obviously, we're libertarians that have social media. Like, that's literally <laughs> our um, But also, like, I'm trying to figure out who doesn't like or get along with Hody? It makes no sense to me. I like I can't rationalize that in my brain. Same. 
It's it's ridiculous. And 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 the thing I, I the one thing I love about this is the people that are complaining that you're blocking them, that you've blocked them just so you don't have to see their posts, are the same ones that that when somebody says something about them, they go, Oh, you just misunderstood. Oh, you're just misunderstanding. Um, no, no, we're not. In fact, we're we're pretty spot on usually on especially when you use something like rootless cosmopolitan. Um, oh my god. Yeah. So oh, dear God. Yep. Yep. So the, the funny thing is this. If Hody wants to block you and people obviously know who was blocked, that's his choice. And it's okay. Because if you're going to be a real gonna run for a really important position. If some dude wearing headphones right now, sipping on a whatever, and he blocks you, bothers you that much, probably you're not presidential material. That's all right. I'll say. Yeah, I don't know who this is. I've been like super busy and haven't paid a lot of attention to. That's good. That's okay, good. I'm sure yeah. I will find I'm, out. I'm sure I'm gonna get. Uh, well, they'll probably will get. Anything and and because they're like, I, I don't want to like dance around it, and the people may think I'm like, oh, I don't want to invoke the name because I'm scared. Like, it's not that. I just please, like, here's the thing. It's I Dave understand Smith. what you're saying. It's I Dave would... Smith. I block Dave Smith. I don't get along um... with him. Here's the thing. I don't want uh, the reason I'm trying to avoid mentioning his name is because I don't want this to turn into a big fight between me. And him. I just don't get along with him. Like, I yeah. just don't. Yeah. It's not productive. Usually, like, here's the thing is, like, people will come to my honor and then sometimes make the damage even worse. Like, I just, and, and it's not because it's like they make my position look bad. It just makes the rift bigger. My goal isn't to push him away. My hope is that someone can reach him. But because I can't reach him, I don't need to fight him, push him away, do whatever. Like, I just need to cut him off and just be like, nope. Like, we're not, like, you and I are building two different bridges here. Yep. And there's no reason for us to work together right now. And that, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and Hody, I, I mean, I'm going to say this again. I, I block some people as well, or at least mute them or whatever. Yeah. Um, if they really want to have communication, they can reach out. That, that It's that simple. And if somebody blocks me, um, I don't look and I don't care. <laughs> so right. it's right. like, I just do not care. Yeah. yeah it's like, it, it's like, this is, this is, yeah, it's, it's, it Seriously. gets back to almost a middle school mentality. Well, what do you mean you don't like me? So, hey, my name can be mud in there as well. I'll, I'll be right there holding Cody up. Whoa, wait a minute here. Dennis and I agreed twice in the same day. <laughs> Everybody go up and buy lotto tickets tonight, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from the state. No. <laughs> hey. I just I I'm sitting here just wondering. It's like, you know, there's probably a lot of people who don't like what I say and they'll go, oh, I'm just not gonna listen to them. Uh, bye. So um Hody, just keep doing what you're doing, dude. You have so many people that have your back for a good reason. Well, you know, I appreciate that. Like I said, I, I don't want this to become tribalized or factionalized. Uh, mm -hmm. There were a lot of people asking. Poor Jacob gets stuck in the middle of these things. You know, don't, I, don't make Jacob. I hang on, here. hang on. I'm going to say this. I'm gonna, this yeah. is going out in public. I applaud Jacob for his stand uh, today, or I mean this week, with uh, with the rootless cosmopolitan piece and stuff like that. And I hope I'm not calling him out. He did publicly call it out. Um, so, but I am. I, I he is a great trying to be a bridge builder, but sometimes you have to understand someone's going to keep trying to blow up that bridge. And I, I had to learn that myself a long time ago. So 
Yeah, that that is very well said. Uh, Desiree, why don't we move to your piece of your mind here? You actually, I know what you're going to talk about. You have an interesting segment also out of Texas here. So why don't you give us the deets on that? Yeah, um, thank you. I uh, so to be to be, where did Lou go? We lost her again. Um, she's be, probably driving through South Chicago right now, so cell service is going to be garbage. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, I, I just, I, I want to say like, make no mistake about this. There is a war on women in Texas and it's not just about Senate bill eight. We also have the less publicized Senate bill 315, um, which was governor Abbott signed it on May 24th. And then it went into effect by June 1st. Um, all of a sudden, anyone who was employed by a sexually oriented business lost their jobs if they were between the ages of 18 and 20. And it doesn't matter what your position was, whether you were an entertainer, whether you were a cocktail waitress, a bartender, bar back, a valet, anything, any position that you held, you suddenly didn't have a job. And a lot of the organizations that, um, that, that deal with, with fighting the state, um, with their ridiculous overreach with sexually oriented businesses were completely taken by surprise. We did not, I know I'm by we, you know, I'm not part of those organizations, but just as a voter in Texas, as somebody who pays attention to politics, I didn't see that one coming either. I mean, I guess I'm just not paying enough attention. That shocked me during the worst time of this generation that people can become unemployed. Now they're unemployed. And I used to be a stripper from the ages of 19 to 22. So had I been that age and in that job in 2021, I would have been suddenly unemployed with a small child putting myself through college. Um, you know, that, that was a really convenient job for me to have. There was uh, about half of that time I was roommates with my stepsister who had a daughter not that much younger than my son. And we had just a great setup. She worked days, I worked nights. Um, we were both taking full loads at school. So we did them on opposing days and we would um, watch each other's kids. And it was, it was great. It, it worked. And unfortunately, um, whoever is, is, uh, was depending on that job, especially during a pandemic where it was already made difficult. Um, you know, I, I, I do remember at the beginning, like, you know, a lot of the legal brothels had shut down, which they, they had to, I get that. Um, <coughs> you know, just to ensure the safety of their employees and of the customers. Um, but yet yeah, this, this has nothing to do with the pandemic. And to me, I, I'm just mind blown because, and I, I'm about to ramble a little bit, but, um, as Hody's very well aware, I, um, yeah, I, I am a proponent of what? Yeah, why it's kind of made me chuckle too. <laughs> um, I'm a proponent of psychedelics, and 
um, because of that, you, you know, with my experiences with psilocybin in particular and, you know, the research and stuff that has come along the way, I love Terrence McKenna like so much. And I remember reading something that he had said one time where he thought like, that the, uh, like the beat generation was like the, you know, the culture shift that we really needed to see happen, like getting rid of the Puritan bullshit and, you know, people just passionately and vehemently just being themselves and living the life that they wanted and experiencing pure joy. And, you know, and I remember thinking, I wonder if that's, you know, I wonder if he's right. I wonder. And um, I, I don't know. I kind of kept looking at things from that perspective, but now here we are where, you know, Lou had mentioned earlier that she, she had heard about uh, a consequence of SB8 being like, a, you know, just with people being overly dramatic or whatever, which I mean, there's, it's pretty bad anyway, but that women would be dragged to prison if they were dragged to jail, if they had had an abortion. It is a prison though. I mean, it is like, I'm a 43 year old woman with who, you know, owns a home, decent income, married, you know, like everything right about my life. And I was relieved to get my period, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and it's not something I really thought about that much before, but there is, you know, make no mistake about it. And, and I'm hoping that maybe this is like kind of the exhausted um, death grip or death gasp of the state um, that they are trying to maintain control as they spin out. That's what I'm hoping, but it is scary. And there are lives that are being affected. There are people that are being harmed. There are people that lost their jobs. There are women that are being put in harm's way at this moment. Um, there's just, it's a really dystopian and extremely misogynistic world to live in right now. And I'm not really sure how to navigate it. I never thought this would happen. And I feel like, like I failed, like in so many ways, you know, that I just didn't take it very seriously and just didn't pay enough attention. And so to my fellow sisters out there, I am sorry that I let you down. Um, I, I'm with you now. I, I'm sorry. You know, I don't even know what to say. It's just really shocking. And I, I think, you know, a lot of us are still trying to wrap our heads around all of this. It's, it's completely unfathomable to me. And, and, you know, I'd mentioned that conversation earlier, you know, that where I had texted Curry and, you know, he's like, I saw this coming and I'm like, how could I be so dumb? Like, how could I? Well, Hey, I mean, Desiree, you, number one, you couldn't have stopped it. Uh, there's, well, there's, no, but yeah. But but so number two, we all hold positions in our youth and as we grow older that change. Uh, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Um, mm -hmm. I just want, first of all, everyone to get off my lawn. Um, second of all, I was... Uh, I was mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I mean, there's we all have positions that we change on as we grow older, we go through experience. And, uh, and I, and I've had this discussion actually today about um, end of life discussions and care and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And some of those things that are still taboo that people still just freak out about and like, Oh my God, no, they can never go into a, a home. You take care of them. See ya. Um, and that to me is just mm -hmm. the most selfish thing someone can do. And I understand we all say, oh, no, we, you know, it, I, the one thing I love is, oh, the Europeans really know how to care for them. And it's kind of the same thing over there. It's just a little bit different, a little bit different. Um, 
but it's one of those things that just we all grow up and if if you're still holding there still should be some positions you should still hold if you're in your 20s and thought yeah this is right you know maybe economics and things like that but as you get more world experience you start going you know i understand the other side and and, and that helps people understand that they can maybe become better human beings hopefully but yeah absolutely and you know actually to bring it kind of full circle to what um to what y'all were talking about earlier um you know, that's why I tend to be a lot more patient with like, you know, newer baby libertarians. I was there. I had some shitty stances, shitty. And we get stuck, at, you know, in, in the libertarian party, we get really stuck on philosophy and being right. And, you know, but it's not, it's not for everyone. It's not just like, I have to be right. It's a matter of like, we've been programmed so much and we're smashing that the glass of our programming and it, but it's a lot of layers. And so to us, it's really important. It's part of the process of like growing as a human and growing in our political beliefs. And, um, you know, I, I don't like a lot of the stances that a lot of people in our party have, but I also have a lot of patience for at least some of them, the ones that I, I think are decent people that just haven't learned a different perspective yet. Um, you know, like I, I do believe that a lot of the times people, they would never understand dog whistles because they're not for them. So they, it just, to them, it goes over their head. And so, you know, if you're calling them racist or, or uh, bigoted in some way, and they're like, well, what, how they legitimately don't get it. Um, the ones that do though, they're a problem, <laughs> um, but you know, and I have this conversation with, with my friends all the time. Like, you know, like some of us have the patience and some of us don't, um, you know, but we're all, we're all just growing and learning and changing and why not try our best to do it together? But Hey, if, if not, don't, you know, you don't have to be in someone's life. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a good blend between what I was talking about and now what you're talking about here. The, the, the anti-stripper bill, I, I don't, it, so, uh, sorry for anybody who likes uh, young gals. Uh, yeah, between the ages of 18 and 21 or 20 or whatever it is in Texas, you're not allowed to be yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, you got to be mm -hmm. 21, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. For me, this is whole, like, when are you an adult? Like, you just, at some point, the state's got to let their hooks go on you. Like, yeah. and, oh, and no. then there's goofy stuff. Like, in some states, like, you still can't, like, rent a car until you're, like, 30. Like, it's just... Well, like, yeah. okay, smoke when you're 18, but you know, drink not when anymore. No, 21. 21. 21. Is that national? Yep, that's federal. National. No, 21. Wait, how did I miss this? What oh, yeah, that was. Uh, oh, you know who did that? The most libertarian president ever, Donald. Oh, Joe God, Trump. that just hurt to hear you say that. Oh, so libertarian. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> this is sarcasm for anybody wondering. Yeah, um, yeah, like. It's just, it's just, at some point, you just got to let go. This is another good example. This whole law is just another good example of, like, you give the state a little bit, and they're just going to run with it. Like, you know, they, if they feel like they can, this is what libertarians talk about with the lockdowns, too. Like, if they can shut down your business, what can't they do, right? So if all of a sudden I can say, oh, I can... I have control of your body for abortions. Hey, I probably can have control of your body for where you work too. And it's just, this is, this is so classic statism. Like it's so classic. This is what 
this is what government overreach does. You give them a little bit and they're just like, oh, yum, I'm going to take the whole thing. Right. They just there's no stopping these people. You just they got to You got to cut them off cold turkey. Otherwise, they're just going to keep going. But, yeah, I, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. Libertarians are going to be <clears throat> by, by far and away. The pro-life one I can see because you can at least argue that maybe another human life is evolved, but involved. But stripping. Come on, man. Like, let them be. Like, just, just at some point, you just got to let it go. That's You're not some big Christian superstar because you made strippers be 21 before they took their top off in front of you. I, maybe, maybe, maybe the reason was that they were deeply worried about um, some of the uh, sponsors of the bill partaking of many 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Mm, anyhow. <laughs> That's a whole no. It, I, there, there's a whole can of worms. You're you're not that far off, actually. <laughs> That's probably like a whole other, you know, hours long conversation. So. You know, uh, we might get Lou back. Lou dropped. A, she's she's driving, so it's uh, she's in and out. But uh, let let's at least get Brian. Let's get a piece of your mind here, and then if Lou shows up, we'll do that too. But yeah, give us what you got. Um. This weekend was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I think everybody knows where they were if you were above the age of, you know, 25 uh, when when that occurred. Um, that being said, uh, this weekend on the big show, that it was talking about all of the terrible decisions that were made because of 9-11. The good news is, for those of you that missed out on that, you're getting that now with COVID. Um, because all of the same politically driven, stupid decisions are still being made now and are going to be made for your health care. Um, I've said kind of through most of this, the, the you know Department of Homeland Security, uh, we are going to see something very similar like the Department of uh, Communicable Diseases or something like that come out of this pandemic. Uh, they, they, the CDC will be elevated to either cabinet staff or something along those lines. Um, the reason being is that why there is no reason to let a good crisis go to waste. And we have seen this time and time again. Um, it's disturbing uh, governments doing it, uh, doing this again. And I think the vast majority of people um, are kind of aware that the government's botched this up and it isn't just the U S government. It's, everywhere has botched it up so once again i'll say it's a great time to be a libertarian a little libertarian, l libertarian um because we all know the governments are going to government's going to screw things up and us being there on the front lines can at least help maybe point out why we shouldn't do these things um last point i'll make was i had a great conversation with my mom this weekend and one of the things was uh, talking about 9-11. Um, and the, the, the first thought is usually one that you probably shouldn't do. And it, and it gets back to the whole scene in Spaceballs where, uh, where all three of them sit there and go, do something, do something, do something. If you're thinking do something, just do something, it's probably going to be the wrong decision. And guess who's leading it? It's going to be a politician. So we're right now in the do something part of COVID. So get ready for the fun. It's coming. The, uh, <laughs> the, you know, it's, it's funny. The government has the power to, uh, I'm going to get Mike, maybe I'll get in trouble with libertarians for saying this. They do have the power to fix things. It's, it's not a matter of power. It's just a matter yeah. of how it works. Right. Yeah. Like it's like mm -hmm. the tool is big enough 
like as far as like a hammer hitting a nail, that hammer is plenty big, and there are a lot of nails that need hammering. But mm -hmm. they always manage to hit more thumbs than nails, and it's just it, it, at some point it's predictable. Or, uh, or, go ahead. I, I, I gotta yeah. chime in though and say I'm yeah. pretty disappointed with a lot of indiv individuals' response to COVID, and I think um, you know a lot of that probably has to do with with distrust of the government or just like the frenzy that Donald Trump uh, worked certain people into or, or whatever. But um, you know, I, I I feel like we could have done and been better through all this and could have been a lot less selfish. And so unfortunately we kind of, I don't know, we fucking asked for it. We could have just solved it on our own and we didn't. We decided to be petulant children. That's my perspective. And I'm sure I'm pissing people off right now, but I don't care. It's just how I observe it. <laughs> we could yeah. have just been considerate of other people. We just could have, but we weren't. Yeah, I mean, we were, yeah, as far as being bad about it i mean america did pretty poorly <laughs> um, yeah well i mean let's yeah. face it the world did pretty poorly right yeah. like so this, this isn't we did the, probably the worst but yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean we did we did well, well. i mean percentages we, yeah. other other countries have, have caught up but i mean we certainly let it go the part of the issue is it's like hey what what happened to the nap don't don't hurt people don't take their stuff since when is getting other people sick not hurting people like it's yeah. just I, I mean and and there's there's a point to be said like oh i it was an accident or i you know i took necessary precautions or whatever but like yeah as far as just being like i'm doing this because i can do it like it definitely we definitely got there by being like mm -hmm. hey we're we're being stupid because we're allowed to be stupid and that's a good way for make for making people say the government now has to step in to take care of it and it's like no because the government does a really terrible job like well, I mean, well then they do but so do we but i mean yeah well. so like they i mean they hurt a lot of people completely destroyed my business line of work i mean it's it, it's yeah as far as like who's more to blame we can play that game but i mean yeah you do need to take care of your own stuff unfortunately when you have something like a pandemic it demands some level of coordination that's just all there is to it and so mm -hmm. we do have to be able to say like hey businesses you have to be able to run yourselves and make good decisions people when you have families you need to be able to say like hey i'm going to make these decisions but i know these people who are immunocompromised and i need to let them mm -hmm. know that i'm making these decisions there's a level of adult communication that you can have about this kind of thing but we just became so tribal about it like there was just no it's weird because i felt mm -hmm. like through the entire thing I've, I've rarely commented on it because i was so middle ground by just being like and again i'm a centrist libertarian so what else would you expect of me mm -hmm. but the, the but by just saying like hey maybe don't get like maybe take this seriously but also maybe don't allow for authoritarian overreach and when some like and yeah we get so mad because one side was all about my rights and the other side was all about my government and you're just i'm just here in the middle just being like man can't we how about responsibly using our rights and then the, everybody's just like boo get out of here like no <laughs> i'm <laughs> so with you on that you piss off both sides yeah. by saying it you know and it's it, it's it's difficult because i think it's just it's one of those that i just wanted to be like uh, it, it, this shouldn't be a political issue like it's so i think we're just so used to talking politics everything comes through the scope of the government so it's like whenever there's a problem in the world our brain just automatically is like what's the government going to do about it yeah and but so, trump, trump made it political too though oh, sure. well i mean it, it, it's it's exceeded him even but yeah yeah he 
Oh yeah, he, yeah. He went. He he took it to a new level. It was always going this way. The the, the big problem fair, that I fair. yeah, yeah I, the big problem that I have right now with politics and politicians right now is they're speaking to their lowest common denominator. Um, and, and the, the idea of that is they're speaking to their five ten percent base um, of the ones that are like, oh my god, anything he says, you know, is is gold, or anything she does is is perfect. Um, and those are the most fervent ones. And the rest of us are smart enough to go, you know, there's a little nuance in here. And there, I know, I'm using the n word again. <laughs> Sorry. But they keep speaking to that level. And we're a lot smarter than, you know, maybe that was needed, you know, 50, 70, 100 years ago. We have a lot of college educated people now. We, they know what the definition of nuance is. So maybe stop speaking at that level. If you need to speak at that level, um, actually a great example of that is if you look at George W. Bush pre- when he before he be, before he took office before he was elected president or nine eleven before all that stuff, you watched how his timber and his speed of his pitch changed. The second he was elected, he went he went from a, a kind of a little bit of a southern kind of quick talk type of thing to my fellow Americans, and he spoke in like a very kind of regular timber and, and beat to it. That was way slower because he realized now he has to speak to uh, far more people. But again, they keep dropping it down and down and down. And of course, the ones that they're speaking to are the ones they can con the easiest. So just like 9-11, here we go again on COVID. To let you know how far I've come, I worked on the, the George W. Bush campaign and it, we actually... I had a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> we actually we actually discussed the fake accent. like. With, yeah, with like the RNC was like, should we go more folksy, less folksy? Like, what other people were trying to reach? Like, it, that was actually like a legitimate disgust thing. It should be. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just yeah. Just uh, anybody wondering, like, is politics fake? This is how fake it is. Like, we talk oh, about it. Is. It and, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm running for office, and I I told everybody that joined my campaign team when I first started, and I keep reiterating, I'm not changing a thing about myself. I'm not going to, I mean, yeah, I could probably learn to be a better public speaker. And so on. that's a matter of like gaining confidence and doing better in front of a crowd and engaging. Not, I've never been a better, better public speaker and I have a podcast. So I mean, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're great. But I'm still, uh, I'm still going to wear my hippie dresses and, and drink and smoke and drop F-bombs. And, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm running for office, but it's more of a, it's a, it's a culture shift kind of thing, but I'm taking it really seriously <laughs> Just because I'm not putting on a pantsuit and, you know, doing that oh. dumb thing that I hate that they do and all that. Like, I mean, that's all fake. And people are tired of the dog and pony show, especially <laughs> young people. And those are the people I'm trying to reach with my I, campaign. You know, I, I think you show up with purple hair and a Hillary Clinton pantsuit just to confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it oh, odd that like dressing the part is somehow taking it seriously? Like playing make-believe is taking it seriously what it's ridiculous between the ages of two and 50 did that happen like that we're supposed to yeah, it's, it's like middle management and with libertarians we often fail at that there are some of our candidates that run for office and they can pull off like you mm. know the whole suit thing or you know whatever they they and they can like they own it and they rock it and, and that's, that's who they are yeah. and, and then no disparaging to that like some yeah, people like yeah, me yeah, we're vanilla. that's that's who we are at our core yeah i get, I get what you're saying 
And then there are some libertarian candidates who go on stage and pull off all their clothes. But anyway, well, continue. But I love that <laughs> person. Pull that off, that's for sure. <laughs> and I used to be a libertarian that took off my clothes for work. Wait, I am a libertarian, but I used to take my clothes off for work. I, I know what you mean. Another drawing hit. <laughs> I love James, and I think that he made a an incredible statement. And I, you know, I know there are a lot of people that are starting to kind of get it now like what he was doing and what his intent was and i know that there are people that will forever be pissed off at him and i, I you know i understand all perspectives on that but i love him he's my brother yeah that's perfectly fine i just think it's one of those things that time and place and but you know, know my political like, statements should be radical to me yeah. but yeah that's me that's me not everybody goes for that I, I, I'm a sales guy, so I mean, I, I kind of think of the customer in the end. You know, yeah. James I one of those guys, that. like, he and I don't get along, and so, like, I think we're just happily separated, and that's fine. You know, like, I'm glad he reaches who he reaches. I hope I hope someday he'll be happy that I reach who I reach to. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 just one of those, like, there's no reason for us to fight about it. He's, he's his own man. He's got his style, and I'm happy he reaches. Well, you're both wonderful people. So. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm not asking you to choose sides, but yeah, of course that. not. He wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and close here. And Desiree, why don't you get go ahead? You got a platform here. Take as long as you'd like. Tell us what you've got going on. Everybody oh, stuck around to the end. This is Desiree Lindsay, everybody running for Texas State Senate. Give them your deets. Tell them where to find you. Awesome. How to donate. What you're all about. Hit Thank it. you. And yeah, donations would be awesome. Those have slowed down recently, but but the campaign is ramping up. So things are really starting to, um, uh, the election is November, 2022. So yeah, we did start early, um, but there's a reason for that. You know, I, I mean, the, the incumbent had announced like June. So, uh, you know, for, for me, I don't feel like it's too early. I also am a strong believer that libertarians should run, run campaigns longer or any third party should run campaigns longer just due to the fact that we have such an uphill battle. Um, fortunately, in Texas, we do have ballot access, so we don't have to do that. We do have to pay a stupid filing fee now, which is the same as the duopoly has to pay. Even though we don't have conventions, we nominate or we don't have primaries, we nominate by convention. Um, but anyway, I am running for Texas Senate District 3 assuming that that doesn't change um they are holding a special session for redistricting and there's like a suit now saying it's unconstitutional or against the texas constitution to hold a special session for redistricting but we're in crazy weird covid times and that's the reason it took the census data to get it took that long for them to get it and so on um I am running a campaign that is based on peace and love in a very big red rural district. Um, I just want people to have a different option. I especially want to reach out to younger people. Um, huge, huge, massive, incredible shout out to Wyatt, who was who was uh, in the chat earlier. Wyatt Breckenhoff, I hope I'm, I'm saying his name right. He just started the Nacogdoches Libertarian Party, which is in in the district I'm running in. And he is a student at Stephen F. Austin University. He's trying to get the uh, the Libertarian Club started at his school as well, trying to get um, students involved in third parties. He's 
come to several of our campaign meetings and is trying to coordinate with us. And he's just been an amazing resource and just an amazing person to get to know. Um, we all like really, really are impressed with him. And he's actually throwing their very first event on um, Friday, September 24th. I want to, yeah, 24th in Nacogdoches at a distillery. So that'll be fun. There's going to be live music. There's going to be food trucks. There's going to be booze and it's going to be awesome. And um, we're going out there to go hang out with him. And we're excited about that. We're having an event here actually at my home next weekend. Um, we had actually planned a big event with, with musicians from all over the country. Vermin Supreme was of course going to come out. Um, Goat versus Fish was coming with Aaron Goldberg, who is the producer for Duncan Trussell's podcast. Um, Aaron Goldberg is an incredible musician. We're, of course, going to have local bands, vendors, all sorts of things. And unfortunately, you know, we got a bit nervous with the Delta variant traveling through Texas. So we decided that having something indoors was probably irresponsible um, and reached out to the, the uh, venue and they said, you know, we're welcome back anytime. They were actually pretty excited about having a political uh, event there, which I thought was cool. I usually expect for people to be like, ah, nah, I don't really, you know, but but they were cool. Um, our local gay bar is also extremely welcoming to us. So we'll be doing a kind of a flagship event at our local gay bar and then hoping to kind of ship those like, you know, have like a proof of concept and go out to gay bars all throughout the district. Um you are busy. We have cool, exciting, fun things going on. Sorry, what? You are busy. We are. We're really trying <laughs> to have maximum impact. Um, JC Cook, who's one of my my dearest, dearest friends, he um, he's That's been helping the graphic design, and he and Tyler are going to be doing some videos for us. And so it'll be like this will be like a legitimate actual campaign. I've been networking with a ton of activist groups from outside the party. Um, there are people that are not libertarians that are excited that I'm running. I think that's really way cool. I can't wait to see where this goes. And I know I'm rambling a bunch, but my website is peaceandlovetexas.com. All spelled out um, to donate, which would be awesome and appreciated. And I would love you forever. Um, peaceandlovetexas.com slash donate. And then I'm at peaceandlovetx on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch. I will start doing the Twitch thing lately because Twitch or soon because Twitch is really cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's my ramble. Thank you. <laughs> well, Desiree Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. I Thanks appreciate for having, having me. us out. Brian, as always, thank you. You're awesome. Thanks, bud. Yeah, Lou, wherever you are, thank you for the time. We, we love you. Please, please drive home <laughs> safely. Uh, please join us next week, barring some crazy, uh, wild uh, current event. We will be talking about the vaccine mandate um, now that we've got a we, – we're hoping to actually get some text of it. Right now it's just like here's what's going to happen, and I have a lot of press releases. But one way or another, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. So please join us uh, – as we talk about that sorry brian <laughs> no it's gonna be just as delicious as this week it's gonna be yeah we got we got back-to-back -back good ones lined up for you uh, again thank you to everybody who participated uh even people like deanna who said i, I was spewing misinformation i'm glad we got on the same page <laughs> no, uh, I, I, 
I really am. She's I, I, just, I mean, I, she she knows what she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Hatred spewing Hody. There we go. There's the yeah. new nickname. Hater Hody is is a fun hashtag, and yeah. that's not at all well earned on my part. Oh, uh, yeah, like thank you. I didn't even think of it as you're a hashtag. Like Thanks, Hody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, but I really do appreciate it, everybody, for joining in. You keep it going. The views are through the roof, and I could not be more thrilled. Um, don't tell Chris, but we are going to take over the main show very soon. That's, that's a total exaggeration. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. I don't even know what his views are. I just think for me, I see, <laughs> I see three-digit numbers, and I get excited, and then I'm going to get four-digit numbers pretty soon here, and that's that's very thrilling. But thank you for joining us, sharing us around, listening in. I look forward to talking to you all next week. Love you. Be safe. And we'll catch you then.